Hello and welcome. You're about to listen to an interview with Oliver Quintanilla. Oliver is the director of the movie Little Saints, which came out a good minute ago in 2014. Oliver made a movie about the Veleda ceremony of the Mazteca people in Oaxaca, Mexico. Um, it is an indigenous mushroom ceremony, psilocybin mushroom ceremony, that has indigenous elements, but also infused with uh, Catholic uh, saints and deities and practices. And in a way, it seems that the psilocybin Veleda ceremony has kind of evolved into a Eucharist. Um, I first watched the movie and was really grateful to Oliver for making the movie, for kind of showing the Veleda, um, you know, in movie form. Uh, I'm a psychotherapist by training, and, you know, our model for working with psilocybin mushrooms is blindfolded with music, with a guide sitting there, you know, if someone gets stuck or needs to talk, but it's really kind of in the music and the blindfold that the healing happens. But when you look at the indigenous practice, it's a more of a relational practice where the individual is in front of an altar and the healer, in this case, Natalia Martinez, she's guiding the experience involved, maybe even using touch and talking to you through it. So for me, it was just really beautiful to see this other way of working with the psilocybin mushrooms as a healer and the kind of healing context that's very different from the kind of emerging Western model. So Oliver and I, Oliver and I talk for a bit. Uh, we talk about his initial experiences with the mushrooms and his journey in finding Natalia, which was kind of this cool synchronistic, synchronistic journey. Um, and then it took him many years to gain Natalia's trust. And then he makes this movie that takes more years to make. So it was a long journey for Oliver that he talks about. And then we touch on what Oliver has been up to since the movie was released. Kind of both becoming a figure within the sort of psychedelic renaissance. You know, sharing stage with kind of well-known psychonauts like Dennis McKenna. And then where he's at now of starting a foundation to support Mazteca youth in education, teaching them English, media skills, but most importantly, teaching them the Mazteca language because it is an oral tradition from what I understand. And in order for an oral tradition to be transmitted, uh, you got to speak the language. So in a way, he's trying to preserve the tradition that you know has been of benefit to him which I really appreciate. Um, so I do hope you enjoy this interview. Um, and if you're interested, I would check out the links to see what Oliver is up to next um, with his foundation. And I got to make one edit or correction here. Kind of about 20 minutes in, I say George Wasson, who is like one of the early sort of <laughs> mycologists, amateur mycologists that kind of for the West, discovered psilocybin mushrooms. And his real name is Gordon Wasson, not George. So I was uh, mistaken in my psychedelic history. But yeah, do enjoy this interview. I appreciate you listening. Hope you're doing well. Thank you. 
Thank you, Oliver, for doing this. I've been looking forward to talking to you for quite a while. I think we've been emailing, I don't know, like nine months, it feels like maybe, and trying to find a time. So I'm really happy we right. kind of got to sit here and can meet, you know? So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Pleasure. Yeah. So I just usually start with a quick moment of silence, just, you know, helps me calm my nerves. And for anyone that's listening, they can kind of join us in silence for a moment too. So, yeah. So I, when I first reached out to you, um, I had just watched your movie, uh, Little Saints, and I was so grateful for the movie. Um, I'm like a psychotherapist by training, and there's this like large movement towards psilocybin therapy. I'm in Oregon, where like laws have been passed, and um, like the the model right of kind of as developed by Stan Groff, who's in your movie, right of like blindfold. With listening to music like that's what i thought of of mushrooms and then i watched your movie and it's just it's something very different that's practiced in a walk right and right i'm kind of curious for you like when you were younger what what called you to go look for the mushrooms i don't know if that's the right way of saying it but like mm -hmm. what brought you into like hunting out the mushrooms right um well the very first time i uh took mushrooms was in Santa Barbara, California. Yeah, yeah. a very uh, nice I, place to take mushrooms, right? I mean, yes. <laughs> I went for a hike at a place called Knapp's Castle. Uh -huh. And uh, it's some castle in ruins. And as I was getting there with a couple of friends, we ran into a group of students from UCSB and they were doing mushrooms that night and they just offered us to take them with them. And uh, that was my first time ever taking them. Uh, it was a very revealing experience about like why I left my hometown to come to Los Angeles, my purpose in life, the universe, God, nature, all kinds of things uh, yes, that started being revealed that opening night. Opening experience, sort of. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and then I was really curious about it because I've heard about Maria Sabina, of course, before. Mm -hmm. I've heard of uh, the mushrooms in Oaxaca, but never really paid too much attention to it. It's like one of those weird things the indigenous people do and up is that in the when hills. You, when you were in Mexico, you kind of had awareness of the practices in Oaxaca? Or? I, I had awareness of the mushroom and the practice in Oaxaca and Maria Sabina yeah. as a healer, but I didn't know anything about it, anything else about what the methods, the circumstances, the way that the way they were used. I did not know anything about it. It was just like a weird thing that the indigenous people do up on the hill, like I just say. <laughs> and uh, yeah. it's not until I took them for the first time that I'm like, oh, wow, this yeah. is not, uh, uh, I mean, I wouldn't consider it a drug to use it to have fun necessarily. Yeah, I used to uh, try to do that when I was younger. I never had fun. It was always right. hard, hard in a good way, but you know, yes, they make you work. And so for me, it was revealing, very revealing that night. And it just sparked my curiosity about it. And uh, when I came back to Los Angeles the next day, the very first thing I did is go online and start researching about it. 
but this was the year 1997 mm-hmm. uh, and the internet was very limited back then yeah, google, google was wasn't not, the same in 97 right <laughs> of course not and there was not a lot of information about it but what i did find out is about this guy named gordon wasson yeah so you were, you did like a, you went back to the original history in a way at least in the west right of Gordon Wasson right. kind of going finding right. Maria Sabina the publication of the Life magazine and yeah. right all that information so I found at the downtown Los Angeles library they have all the books from uh, Gordon Wasson they have all his books there. so only for consultation they don't allow you to take them home. So I will go there, make photocopies or read in there in, inside the library and just stay there the whole day reading the book. Yeah. Um, it sparked my, my curiosity. And that's how I found out about the town, Walter Jimenez. It was the first time I was hearing about it. Mm-hmm. So I went to... Uh, and that's again, the town Marina Sabina is from, right? And Exactly. The yeah. same town where Maria Sabina is from in the north part of the state of Oaxaca. Um, so I went back online and tried to find the, the, the town on a map, and I could not find it in any map. Uh, <laughs> I love that. But <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was in Oaxaca. Yeah. So what I did is like uh, two days later or three days later, my roommate walks into my house with one of his co-workers or business partners. I don't remember what it was. And it turns out that this guy that came to my apartment, he's from Oaxaca and he needed someone to go to Oaxaca for him, for his company and deliver some things. You want to go? And I'm like, oh, this is a perfect opportunity to go to Oaxaca. He's going to pay my ticket. He's even going to pay me to deliver these documents to whoever down there. And he's going to pay for my flight back. So it's like, this is like, uh, you know. Yeah, how could it be any better in a way? If, right? I, if I will believe in coincidences, it was a great coincidence. But I know it was meant to be and it was sent to me yeah. in a way for me to be able to, to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I took the offer and he said, actually, one of my employees in Oaxaca, he's from Wildland. So as soon as you get there, get in touch with him, this is his name, he's going to tell you how to get to his town. So that's what I did. I went, I met with the guy, and he said, yeah, go here, go there, buy your ticket, and then they will take you. Yeah. So I went there. I didn't know if it was north, south, or anything, but as the road, as we were approaching and going, I, I realized we were going to the north part of the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I got there, this is pre-smartphones. Um, uh, uh, so the people are, they're still not in with their heads down all the time like it is today. Yeah, people can. Back then, they're still looking at whoever arrives into town and everything. So uh, also back then, they're still, most of them, they're still dressing with the traditional clothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowadays, it's like everything's more modern and everyone owns, everyone owns like their own uh, cell phone. Everybody's on WhatsApp and Facebook and Instagram and all that. You yeah. know? So yeah. that changed the culture. And you, you watch that action. change over time, I imagine. Kind of yes, when you went. 100%. Yeah. It's pretty evident that 
there is less and less kids uh, studying um, their own language. Yeah, and that's like that's really witnessing the modernization. Yes. But at, th at this point, yes. you go there, there's still the sense at of this tr point, traditional. Still, yeah, mostly everyone speaks uh, Mazatec. It, it was kind of rare to hear Spanish. Hmm. Um, that must be so interesting when you're in Mexico, right? Like coming from Mexico and being well, somewhere there to and feeling sort of out of I place. Felt, I felt like a foreigner in my own country. Yeah. yeah. 100%. That's, that was the feeling I got. Yeah. Um, once I got there and I went to the main plaza, the city center or the center of the town I started looking at people to see who could I ask because nobody will come and talk to me nobody was like approaching me or like nothing mm -hmm. it was like used to be a strange feeling you know yeah. so I see this kid that is playing video games at this like store or something like a video game arcade or something and then uh he gets out of the place and starts playing the guitar right there on the sidewalk. And I'm like, oh, this kid seems like, I don't know. I it sort of felt, I felt safe asking him, mm -hmm. you know? And I asked him and he was dressed. I remember very clearly because he was wearing a pair of black Converse, a pair of Levi's and a white t-shirt. Mm -hmm. So he looked uh, like he was from Mexico City or something, not from, from, from a yeah. small town in the middle of the mountain. Um, and then when I spoke to him for the first time, he had a Mexico City accent a little bit too, right? Oh, yeah, you heard so, that in there. Yeah, Yeah. so I asked him if he could, um, that I, I told him that I was looking for mushrooms. And he, he said, I have some in my house. You can come and eat them and stay there. And I'm like, well, thank you. But what I'm really looking is for a, for a, for a curandera or curandero, for a healer. Mm -hmm. And he says, oh, you want a uh, velada, which translates to soiree. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know, I've never heard the term in that context, but I knew what he was talking about. So I said, yes, I'm looking for that. Mm -hmm. um, he said, I'm going to take you to my uh, grandmother, Natalia, up, oh. up there. Well, that's, that's beautiful, right? Because, I mean, Natalia right. is the, the healer in your movie, right? So right. the first person you talk to brings you to her. So Right. Yeah. So we go to her house and then he tells me, wait here. They don't like it when I bring strangers. <laughs> this has happened uh, so, before. <laughs> right. So I stayed um, by the sidewalk, by the, by the little road. Mm -hmm. And he went in. But five minutes later, he comes out and says, it's like, oh, the lady cannot do it because she already had dinner. Okay. So what do we do now? And he says, I'm going to take you to my aunt down there by the market. And then as we're going, getting ready to leave, the lady, Natalia, came out of her house with um, her son and her grandson. Mm -hmm. Three of them come out. And at that moment, I got really surprised because the kid that had the Mexico City accent, he was 100% fluent in Mazatec. Mm -hmm. So it caught my attention because I am bilingual. He's also bilingual, right? But I'm Spanish-English. He's Spanish-Masitic. Mm -hmm. And I find that uh, 
usually people that know multiple languages, you know, there's people that are skilled, mentally skilled to be able to learn more than, than one language. Yeah. Um, and I appreciated that when I, when I heard him speak so fluently in, in that uh, indigenous language, I was surprised and I was impressed at the same time. Yeah, um, that he could kind of live in both worlds. That, say that again? He could live in both worlds, like with his grandma right. and with the Levi's and the converse. Right. Yeah. Now, her grandma, it was not, it's not really her grandma. He just say my grandma, oh, okay. because it's an older lady, but it's not really blood-related, this kid. Yeah. Uh, so, and then he asked me to give him some money prior to take me. So mm. I did give him some money. And uh, uh, at that moment, when they're speaking and talking between them, uh, basically the lady asked me, Natalia asked me, is it okay with you if we have the ceremony, but I do not eat the mushrooms? Hmm. And I'm like, well, I'm like, first, I did not know you will also eat mushrooms. That's one. Second, I don't think I could force you to eat them. Yeah. You know, it doesn't seem right either. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but if you say that you're going to guide me and be with me throughout the experience, then uh, let's do it. Let's do it that way. Um, so did you end up doing it that night? Was it that? So that same night. Oh man, that's like, so, like, it's not, there's no internet, there's no smartphones, but it's happening so fast in a way, right? Like, well, just that, the, just that. She has the same, you know, she has the same question. It's like, she say like, yesterday you were in Los Angeles yeah. in another country. And today you're knocking on my door. How do you get here? Yeah. How do you find me? Yeah. She asked me. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it just happened. It happened that way. Yeah, from reading and, George Watson and some books, right? To like being at the doorstep. That's right. right. Yeah. And at that time, I also didn't know exactly where I was, you know, mm -hmm. because I couldn't find it on the map. So I was not exactly, exactly sure where I was. And I'm like, let's just do it here. Because it's, if I go somewhere else, it's already getting dark. Mm -hmm. If something happens to me, no one's going to know except yeah. the guy that paid for my flight. Yeah. But he's not even my friend. I just met him. He doesn't know anybody else that knows me. So I'll probably disappear and nobody will find me if something happens to me, right? And, and I had that like, kind of fear of being there because it's like uh, different, you know, and it, it, could, it could be, I mean, I don't feel that way right now anymore. Yeah. You know, but at, at the time, it felt like dangerous mm -hmm. going there. Um, so then um, we, we talked and uh, she asked me a bunch of questions. If I'd taken them before, how many I took, you know, uh, where I was from, my parents, if I had brothers and sisters. Mm. She wanted a sense of, of your family in a way. Right. Yeah. And then she asked me to go um, relax and go lay in bed and try to take a nap hmm. before the ceremony that it was going to start at 9 p.m. And it was like 7 p.m. Yeah. Um, so to make the long story short, I took the mushrooms, a little bit scared of being there, 
uh, with strangers. And uh, as the mushrooms took effect, I was able to see that all of them were good people and that oh. I was safe. I was in safe hands. Yeah. I realized immediately. And then I started laughing at myself. For being afraid was, earlier? Or? Because I'm such an idiot. Why am I afraid? They should be afraid. I'm like double their height. <laughs> and I'm, they're bringing me into their house. Mm -hmm. you know? Like they're opening if anyone their should be afraid, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. If anyone should be afraid, it's them, not me. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and and that was that was how it started. At the next morning, I asked her to that I wanted to make a movie about it. She turned around and walked away with a face that clearly showed that she was mad at the question, that she didn't like the question. Well, there's a long history there in a way, right? With Maria Sabina and George Wasson sort of releasing right. photos and a lot yes. of sort of negative attention right. toward that region. So I, right. I, I was surprised in a way she says yes, right, later on. Kind of given the history well it took five years yeah to say yes yeah you find her in one work. day but then five years to say yes <laughs> yes exactly did you know you because wanted to you make want a... to be videotaped yeah did you know you wanted to make a movie before that ceremony or like when did you know you wanted to catch it in a film i wanted to make a movie since i was like 16 years old okay so you've been waiting to make a movie in a way and this is like becomes right. clear it's i mean like... Yeah. the subject like and i didn't even know if it was going to be a documentary film it could have been fiction yeah but when i had that experience it became to me very evident that that was actually it was on my first in santa barbara where, where i actually uh decided that i was going to make a movie about that subject oh like that night that you took wow. the mushrooms in santa barbara in Santa Barbara, yeah, yeah. I decided that I was going to make a movie about that particular subject. Yeah, and and uh, and yeah, I did it. Yeah, what was that first ceremony like for you? Was anything surprising about it? Going from kind of taking it from some kids, college kids, with your buddies, to kind of being in front of the altar and in that more. Yeah, um, yeah, it was it, it was uh, unexpected to me because. I, I was raised Catholic. Yeah. I went to I went to La Salle uh, school, mm -hmm. uh, elementary and middle school, and then I had a lot of questioning uh, to the to the, my teachers and and to to the brothers to the La Salle brothers and sisters. You know, I will have I will question you know the existence of God, yes. the church the Pope and blah, blah, blah. And, and I was in middle school on, on, on my last year of middle school. And they asked me to enroll at a different high school. Oh, you, um, you were asked not to come back the next year. Too many questions. Yeah, they, Too many I mean, questions. <laughs> they say that it was better for me to be at a non-religious school. Yeah. Uh, so they, I, I switched. I switched to a non-religious high school. Yeah. And uh, that, was, that was the end of it. And then when I go back to Wautla, to my surprise, the altar is 100% Catholic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which and I think when people think of like indigenous uh, psychedelic use, right, they don't think of it being Christian. But like right. that, the, watching the movie and knowing Maria Sabina too, seeing, taking the mushrooms as a Eucharist, right, that this is a very 
Christian right. ceremony in a way. I mean, it's syncretic, right. right? It's blending of kind of Catholicism and the indigenous, but it, the forward face looks Christian. Like I was very surprised watching the movie, like, oh, wow, this is like a very beautiful Christian psychedelic ceremony. It is. Yeah. It is. Uh, it is. I, I had a lot of conversations with the local priest. Yeah. Um, at the time, he's not there anymore, unfortunately, because he was very well liked. And uh, is the priest in the movie. So yeah, and he's I had, delightful in the movie, right? This yes. wonderful priest. Yes, I had I had several meetings with him in addition to the one with the interview after the movie. And it's always so great talking to him because it's funny when I went to that movie, when I interviewed him for the first time, I went to the interview thinking that it was going to be a huge fight, you mm -hmm. know, yeah, between me and him. Like having the counter voice in the movie, right? Of like more yes. Catholics. Well, that did not happen. He yeah. was in full support to my surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what was it like? Uh, and for you, right, that first night that you're sitting there in front of the altar and the, the saints are invoked, was, Jesus, Mother Mary, like, how was that coming from Catholicism? It was difficult. Yeah, I imagine. It was difficult. Yeah. I had resistance yeah. to all those imagery, to everything, to, to I, I, I was resistant to pray and to to just to the whole thing, mm -hmm. you know? And then after meeting with the priest several times, it became evident that the indigenous people um, see, for example, Saint Isidore, right? Saint Isidore uh, is known to be a, a man that owned cattle, owned ranches, he had money and he shared his money with uh, the community and the cattle is important because and, and then also saint isidore's uh, day of celebration is 15 of may mm -hmm. okay so it, around that time of the year is when the mushroom season starts mm. now the psilocybic events uh, that mushroom who that grows on, on cow ex, excrement is called uh, Saint Isidore, San Isidro. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there, there's this way that the, is, are you saying in a way like the tradition had to survive in Catholicism? And they, they try to, what, what I'm saying is that if, they, if the church presents, here is Saint Isidore. Yeah. This is Saint Isidore. Mm -hmm. Oh, Who's Saint Isidore? What does he do? Oh, he owns cattle and he shares his riches with the people. Right? He, so the mushroom is related to the cattle and it also and the riches. It's a way to share the riches. riches <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so there is that connection with every, that's just one example of many examples where a Catholic saint or a Catholic teaching or Christian teaching is interpreted from the perspective of the indigenous traditions and beliefs yeah yeah like it's from the, from their lens they're interpreting catholicism and almost bringing right. bringing it into some of their perspective rather than exactly. adopting just the catholic view and discarding their own view exactly yeah so the problem is is when the catholic church says it is this saint and then you need to get rid of your saint 
Yeah. That does not work. Mm-hmm. The indigenous people will say, no, yeah. you know, I'll take your saint <laughs> and I keep my saint because the more saints I have, the more protected I am. Yeah, like I, I got a bigger yeah. family, bigger army. <laughs> yeah. No, I love the priest saying like that, the, like Natalia as a healer was better than him because she had the Catholic saints and then the indigenous saints and he only had the Catholic right. saints. Right. <laughs> like that was really beautiful to hear him acknowledge that, you know, he, had, he had, was missing something in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that did your resistance fade over time? Did it change like your relationship? Yeah, 100%. As soon as I started like making the connections and con- connecting the dots between the Catholic teachings and Christian teachings that I already knew because, I mean, I grew up that way. Yeah, they were beaten you probably almost, right? With, uh, and uh, as I learned more from the traditions of, of the Mazatecs and their belief system and everything, I started connecting one thing to the other and seeing the you know like kind of uh, it's kind of comparing one religion to another and realizing that it's a lot of it's the same thing a lot of the the yes the things that are from one religion and another one uh tradition Mm -hmm. they have the same meaning as as in the other tradition yeah so I think because of that, my my resistance started fading and also being able to see, for example, how the story of Lady of Guadalupe Mm -hmm. uh, comes from Tonacin, which is an indigenous goddess, and how like it evolved over time and was changed or replaced, you know, by the Catholics and like that, you know, there's many many things that I, through time, I started learning and becoming more accepting of the meaning behind every single image and what, what it means. And if a lot, I believe that if a lot of people pray to one thing, that thing acquires some sort of like a lot of energy from, mm-hmm. from everyone's prayers and it becomes a, an entity in itself. Yeah, there's that Neil, uh, Neil Gaiman book, American Gods, that kind of holds that view right that the, our prayers are what feed the gods in a way to be gods so right yeah you know if everybody's praying to a single thing then that thing is gonna absorb all the energy from everyone mm-hmm. and it's millions of people praying so yeah yeah so like uh like gordon Watson has this sort of breakthrough experience right himself his first night was there anything there for you that like was, was it just reaffirming of your first mushroom journey or was there a difference between kind of doing it on your own versus doing it in that container? You know, uh, that first ceremony I had, after, it was, after the ceremony was done, Natalia said, I'm a little tired, so I'm just gonna relax. And she lay down on the bed. I stayed in the room and I spent the rest of the night pretty much talking with her grandson. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like, I don't know, like back then he was like 15 or something, 16 years old. Yeah, yeah. I was in my early 20s uh, or 17 he was, I don't know, he was still a minor. But we were having conversations about life and like things that he he did with his family there. So I, like he became very revealing for me about the way of life they have, the difficulties they face. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
financial struggles, you know, like a, a lot of things that put my own uh, life into perspective, you know, and, yeah. you know, being able to travel and to do things and have access to things. Uh, and sometimes I, I, I think I would have taken it for granted back then, you know, because... Mm, yeah. So it sounds like humbling in a way and sort of right yeah right right you know it's like and uh and i don't know it sort of awakened the uh, kind of like the inspiration of being more helpful to others and, and try to make others uh life a little bit easier you yeah. Know, yeah i guess yeah that brought that, that spirit of kind of giving or compassion in a bit right and then you keep coming back to is like well it's you say five um, five years until she said you could make the movie right right so i came back those and those five years those first five years i probably came back like 10 times or eight times or something like that yeah i would go because i had the, the access to get free flights oh from um, your friend's friend yeah that continued that actually continued till today <laughs> i just i just came back a couple of days ago from down there yeah so that thing of, of flying for free back and forth to oaxaca is still happening yeah this, what is this like 20 years <laughs> or how long 15 years later or something yeah well it's been uh it's been 20 years yeah 20 1997 yeah. it was yeah. the first time so it's 14 years that uh, 24 years actually yeah so you keep coming back and I imagine part of you is coming back for yourself, but also for the movie, like, uh, right. To continue being in touch with her and, uh, gaining her trust yeah. little by little, I guess. Yeah. And, and I think there's a difference for folks, right? Like in Western therapy, it's sort of one or two psychedelic sessions is considered good, but here you are going back for, you know, many years. Like what did you notice developing a more long-term relationship with the Valeda and the ceremony there? Um, well, you know, if I, like the, the very first time or one of the first things that I had to deal with is that my father died when I was 18, 17, I turned 18 at the funeral actually. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, that took a toll on me and, um, you know, just being sad and like why my dad had to die so young and. Yeah, um, like why this you happened know, like, to you, sort of, and yeah, right, right. So one of the first things that I deal with on those martial ceremonies was the grief of losing my father at a young age. Yeah, that was one of the very first things. Yeah, and then it became more about discovering spirituality, mm. trying to understand how this thing worked. You figured that one out. <laughs> <laughs> well, sort of but not at a physical level you know but yeah. I, I think at an emotional and understanding of how to use them i think i i that pretty well now yeah um after a few years of going back she told me listen i already show you and told you and teach you everything that i know Hmm. It's like you can do the mushrooms on your own over there in the United States if you feel like the need to do them. Yeah. You don't need to come back all the way here. Uh, and then she added, of course, I like you coming, you coming down here because 
I like seeing you. I like, and I like it when you come and visit me. Yeah. But don't be dependent on me because I'm not going to be here forever. And you already know what you need to know in order for you, for you to and did you take this. Did you take that advice of kind of holding it yourself while you were in the yeah. space? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had. I had. But uh, at the same time, I'd rather go back. I, I like it. I like I like doing it with her. I like uh, her presence. It's uh, so powerful. And yeah, what well, what about her presence spoke to you? You know, like when you're with her, she's just very observant. Yeah, and uh, just like that, and for the like, she can tell a lot of the things from people by their mannerisms, by the way they react at the mushroom. Mm -hmm. uh, for example. One thing that you mentioned was, is that people that usually end up in fetal position when they eat the mushrooms, when they have a, a hard experience and, and they end up in a fetal, at a fetal position, um, to them, it means that that person particularly has an addiction problem. Oh, okay. To either tobacco, alcohol, or other substance. Yeah. Um, Things like uh, if you see spiders and insects roaming on the floor or on the altar, for example, that has a meaning that someone is uh, doing something against you. Oh, yeah. Someone is trying to harm you. There's that beautiful scene in the movie, right, where I forget the guy's name, right. but from Mexico, names that he's seeing insects. And Natalia very right. sweetly starts wiping off the altar and wiping them off. Right. And it was so seamless, right. at least the way you edited it, of her just, oh, there's insects here. I'll clean these off right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I just, I loved watching that. Like it was. But the thing is, is that the person that is under the effects of the mushroom, he's actually seeing the insects being pushed. Yeah, he's witnessing it being cleared off right and, right yeah and who knows natalia, natalia is experiencing that moment either right so yeah she's not she was not under the mushrooms she didn't eat them that night oh the night you she filmed used, she wasn't she didn't take them herself not not every the thing is is that i'm going to tell you something you probably think that all the the, the six people in the movie had the mushrooms the same night and it's it oh you, you had some editing tricks <laughs> yeah <laughs> They're separate. If you see them, they're never together on a single shot. Oh, okay. Is it was it each person on their own, or were you small? Group? Except the couple. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't even the pick couple. that up. I watched it a few times. I didn't even notice. That's good. Editing. Yeah, you know, um, I didn't know either until after I released the movie and I started getting that feedback. Yeah. Um, I I didn't plan it to for people to think that it happened in a single night mm -hmm. but it does not affect the, the storyline or anything so no no um, yeah yeah so yeah the, the 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 reality of things is that we filmed it um uh, we did three nights in a row and then we had a break in between and then we did another three nights oh, okay so each of those people were there for the week sort of of filming and right. one night of ceremony. Yes, they were there for the whole week for, yeah. for one night. Yeah. So if we move forward to like when, like what happened when Natalia said yes, did, was that like convincing her or did 
she just decides when she say yes to, to shoot the movie yeah like what happens then uh, well when she said yes i was like i started like putting everything together did, did she let you know why she changed her mind or was it just kind of let's do it now it could have been because uh it was a little more open five years went by and he was a little more accepted to talk about it yeah. you know now a day is 100 accepted to talk about it it's very unlikely like for example if you go to outla i can guarantee you that somebody is going to approach you yeah. and offer you to sell you mushrooms yeah, yeah. within your first 50 to 20 minutes of arrival so the culture has okay. really changed in the last 15 years. Back then, that would not happen. Mm -hmm. Like for you, right? You got off the bus and there was no one there. <laughs> no, like I was actually naive enough to think that there was going to be a sign or something. My yeah. mushroom ceremony is here. Yeah. <laughs> no. Neon, little mushroom, like, let's go here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, obviously that, that was not there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then what's the process of like putting this film together? I mean, if you were to do the short version, like, so I imagine there's a lot involved in finding the participants, funding and all of that, like. Yes. Once, uh, once uh, I got the okay, I uh, put an ad on Craigslist. Oh, you put an ad out on Craigslist? Like, do you want to go to Mexico and do some mushrooms with the healer? Any mushrooms in the ceremony. <laughs> 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 oh i love that man did you like and did you vet some people or were like were those six people no not six? a lot of people not a lot of people replied yeah yeah um but i did get like 10 replies okay and i selected five out of the 10 uh-huh and then another two came through another sort through like a friend of a friend yeah. i love those are like those are craigslist people there <laughs> 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 they did seem like an interesting mix of folks so that like kind of <laughs> well i sort of like did it on purpose you know mm -hmm. i like i wanted to have three men three women mm -hmm. um the ages go from like i think 19 it was the youngest one all the way to like 67 or something yeah uh there was a middle-aged man there was like a mid-20s couple a teenager still excuse 19 yeah uh or 20 i don't know and uh then or was she 21 already i don't, I don't know yeah she's, oh, young. she's, she's very young, young. Yeah, very yeah. young yeah and then the other ones are like 26 and the other guy is 27 and then sergio he was in his 40s yeah and then um and people the come people come in for different reasons too. Like it seemed like right. there was a divert not just a diversity of age or or different things, but like different reasons for wanting to be there, whether that's addiction or kind of grief and divorce or not clear what to do with one's life or emotional regulation. Just seemed like there was sort right. of a whole gamut of things that people were bringing to Natalia to get help with. All right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so after that, I put together some money uh, for to go shoot for two weeks. Mm -hmm. I, I was able to to put together twenty thousand dollars to go and do this yeah, yeah. for two weeks. Pay pay for everyone's expenses. I didn't pay anyone. You didn't. As far as like 
a salary, mm -hmm. uh, my crew, the crew I did pay, I did pay the crew a little, uh, but they were more excited to come and they wanted to do the mushrooms themselves. So they, there was a day for the crew to, yeah. to, the, to do the mushrooms. The mushrooms and were the, the payment all along, it seems. <laughs> yeah, all the crew did it together at, at the end. Yeah. And uh, it's very enlightening for, for some of them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was with them. I didn't take them, but I, I was with them. And it was interesting seeing everybody there too, doing it. And I think uh, I think that was like the, the main reason why everybody joined because the project was like kind of like different and yeah, and this is kind of unique in that sense. Early in the like psychedelic renaissance, whatever you want to call it, that's happening, right? Like it right, seems, this it is two thousand seven. Yeah, so it seems these these movies are coming out more and more, like uh, whether that's yeah. in ayahuasca ceremonies or whatever else is happening. Like, uh, yeah. did you have consideration in how to kind of capture the ceremony, both from like a, an artistic point of view, but also maybe from respect for the ceremony? Like, what was your thinking yes. going into that? Um, yes, we, I, I had two cameras rolling at all times. Yeah. And because he saw the ceremony, like if you sit through a whole ceremony, it could be quite boring because sometimes nothing is happening outside everything's happening inside yeah yeah um but i also told my camera guys that sometimes things pop up or happen randomly and suddenly so they needed to be ready to capture and to adapt yes. fast because uh, it, it was getting boring and then after three nights staying the whole night and then we had a break but then we had other, another three nights, the fifth and sixth nights, like everybody was, was tired because mm -hmm. we were filming during the day and then filming the whole night. So it was pretty exhausting, but we, we did it. And um, then in 2008, um, I went to Switzerland, to Basel, Switzerland for the World Psychedelic Forum. Mm -hmm. And that's what I interviewed. Um, Jeremy Narvi, um, Stan Groff. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, back here in LA, I interviewed Dr. Charles Grob from UCLA. Uh, and uh, that happened a year later. And then I started editing, and it was so difficult to edit. So difficult. I have English, I have Spanish, and I have Mazatec. Uh, my first uh, job with the editing, I hired probably like 30 people. 30 people. Wow. Yeah. Um, because I had 100 hours of footage. Mm -hmm. And I had them transcribe everything that was said. Mm. And then I had the Mazatec translated to Spanish. And I had a transcript of yeah. absolutely every single thing that was saved and recorded. So you had like a time, a time stamp transcript, and then you time need to go through the process of start, when it's then, yeah. what he was saying. Yeah. Oh, man, that so sounds then exhausting. I gave a color. <laughs> I gave a color, a different color to every single character. Oh, okay. Okay. So then I started 
cutting little pieces of paper and putting them together on my wall. Making your storyboard in a way. Making as actually more like a script. A script, okay, yeah. Because it's dialogue. Yeah, yeah. And it's multicolor. And I'm editing that way on the wall with papers. And I read everything, all the pages, and then I started like moving the little papers around and blah, 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 blah. And then when I read, like I read the whole thing and it made sense, that took me like a whole month doing that on the wall before actually getting to the computer or any footage. So it, uh, like to me, it's interesting that the 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 words right are the shaper of the story more so than the visual right. in a way and i imagine you get the the visual from the timestamp of the words to kind of fill it out yeah at this moment i don't know what what uh, what the visual looks like yeah you, like, you say, yeah you have like a verbal story that then like right yeah 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 right so um once i liked how it read I went to the computer, I checked the stamps and I started putting everything together. Mm-hmm. And I had one layer with one camera and another layer with the other camera. Yeah, yeah. All synced. So um, that first cut was three hours long. What's the final cut at the end? An hour and a half. Okay, so you had to really kind of edit it down okay. from there. So I like it, but three hours is very long. So I edited again on the wall. Oh, yeah. And then I went back to the computer. Yeah. And it was two hours long. Okay. And that's the one that I like, but two hours long. And I sent it to a... Uh, a few festivals and it got picked up by a festival in uh, Texas. Don't recall the name. It's at a university near Dallas, Texas, Devon, Devon, Texas. I don't recall. There's a university there. So I went to that film festival and the director of the festival said to me, you know, I really love your movie, but it's two hours long. I was considering not putting it on the lineup because it's two hours long. I believe if you cut it down to an hour and a half, you have better success mm-hmm. uh, with the film festivals. And I'm like, why is that? I, I don't get it. What's, what difference does he make? And he, basically it's a scheduling thing with the movie theaters. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah. A, a, a two hour movie can screen probably four times a day while uh, an hour and a half movie can screen five times a day. Mm-hmm. So uh, as far as making money or revenue out of projecting a movie in the movie theaters or at a film festival, the more movies you can project in a single day, the better. So you go and you cut it down and kind of do So it. after that film festival, I cut it down to an hour and a half. And that's the one I released. Yeah. And um, the whole editing process took about eight months. Um, color correction at the end, and then uh, and then it was ready. Yeah. Well, what was that? I mean, that's a long journey, right? In a way, from the first time you kind yeah, of yeah, because at the beginning I had my day job in advertising, and 
you know, the editing of a movie requires full time focus, mm. a lot of attention to detail. Yeah. And having a full time job and wanting to edit the whole movie on the side was just not working at all. Mm-hmm. So at that moment, I uh, got a grant from uh, something that was called back then All Roads Film Project for National Geographic. Mm-hmm. They gave me a grant, and then with that money, I was able to really start editing. And that's when I hired the, the people to do the transcription. Um, I hired an assistant. I bought some editing equipment. Uh, with that small grant, I was able to, to really finish the movie and really like not work on my day job for like that time, for eight months, nine months, and focus solely to, to the movie. Yeah. And then when you release it, like, it seems just like a long journey in a way, you know, from that first night in Santa Barbara, when you have this, this is what I want to make a movie about for and like seven or eight, a, eight a, years. It's an 18 year journey from the time that night in Santa Barbara until the movie was released. Yeah. Yeah. Well, must have, that must have been quite a moment to like actually put it out there. Like, what was Yeah, that? because also... You know, it became, uh, once I realized that it was coming out, it's like, oh, now, now I'm going to be, I'm going to be talking publicly about this subject. I wonder how, how is it going to be Rece- taken? How it's going to be know? received or whatnot. Yeah. 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 So I started feeling some anxiety about it. And if I really wanted that, but I'm like, I don't have a choice anymore i already did it yeah you put the thing in the world right and the world decides what it does with it so it's it's nerve-wracking you know putting it out because it's like you know i don't know what was the reception like how how was it i think it was really good to my surprise is it was really it was really good i really enjoyed touring with it and going to multiple cities to screen it Mm -hmm. um seeing the different type of crowds from one city to another um that was pretty amazing that uh did, experience did natalia get a chance to watch it herself or yes actually uh she said before you show it to anybody else before you put it out yeah i need you to come back and bring it to me and and i want to see it uh-huh. so i did that uh, before i put it out i went to outla we played the movie on the computer she watched the whole thing from beginning to end uh and then she said "tokui," which means it's good. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that must have felt good to get that stamp of yeah. approval, right? Like, yeah. 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 Cool. So what, like, and you know, w- when we initially talked, right, was I come to you because of this movie, because I'm drawn to it, right? Like, mm-hmm. p- partially from the um, being a therapist and psilocybin therapy, but also the, right. the Christian element. Like I've reconnected to Christianity in my life and like I had this sense that like uh, mushrooms and Jesus get along, <laughs> right? You know, and like that's been confirmed internally and also watching your movie and some of the stuff that's coming out in the world now with like, uh, I don't know if you've read the immortality key. There's just like a lot of speculation around what was the role of psychedelics in early Christianity, mm-hmm. you know? And it, it was definitely at least a part of medieval European Christianity. So I, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I have this, like, when I watch this movie, a part of me is feeling like I'm watching 
early Christianity in a way. Like the mm-hmm. ironically like colonial process of bringing Catholicism and kind of overlaying Catholic imagery and saints on the indigenous practice, like has, it feels like resurrected in a way, like maybe a Christian practice. So yeah, I don't know. That's uh, that's just my own like when I watch yeah. it, like I'm like oh look, that's just there's a beautiful irony of like oh maybe this is what Christianity might have looked like, like going to homes, right? It was thought to happen in it's the home. It's possible. I mean, there's many uh, like uh, depictions yeah. that show mushrooms, you know, on on yeah Christian imagery. Yeah, lots of mushrooms and this thought that the early Christianity happened in the home and was held by women mostly too so there's just i don't know it's a bit of a tangent but like i'm drawn to you because of that but then it seems after Mm -hmm. you release the movie like your life goes in a different direction in ways because of the movie uh you could say that yeah Um, you could say that i i still work in advertising yeah you still gotta make a living and stuff right but like um you know i I'm, i'm still doing that and and yeah, you know, after touring, I went to several cities on the West Coast, on the East Coast, and Texas, and Mexico. And, um, you know, becoming a public figure, basically, as a public speaker. I got invited to the Telluride Mushroom Festival twice. Mm-hmm. I was in a panel there with Dennis McKenna. Oh, you're, and, you're talking uh, with the mushroom people then. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, I was invited to, to be on this panel with these very, very experienced people. I actually was the youngest one on the panel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that was quite something, an honor for me to be, to be with them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there were several people there, um, very knowledgeable about the subject and, and with a lot of experience. Yeah. as well um yeah i mean nowadays uh I, I don't know if um you know my life did change let's say let, let's say change in a way that i became sort of like uh the guy that uh has the knowledge in wildla or something like that you know like uh, the guy that has has been there uh several times do, do, do people reach out to you sometimes like hey how do i oh quite often man yeah at that, least does that get annoying yeah. a little bit to have what it was when i was actively speaking um yeah it was so it was quite often yeah. i actually got last week i go one the week before i go one yeah it's frequent that i get um emails or messages on facebook or instagram people asking me how to get to outlaw or who they, who they talk <laughs> what's your sort of there? generic response when people reach out um i tell them you know i tell them like you know the the, ma- the main thing to tell them is like you gotta be there between may and september <laughs> like be there in the uh, after the wet season when the, when they grow yeah that's that's when they, the, the season otherwise i mean you can go there but it would be very difficult to find the mushrooms yeah. if you not go on the system. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so my when we've talked before, like uh, you were like initially engaged in some project around kind of building a hotel and kind of developing, almost becoming part of the the mushroom economy there, like the mushroom tourism economy. Yeah, but then that, that was that was an, an, yeah, yeah, yeah. It shifted, man. Um, yeah. It was. Uh, 
an idea to have a space um, that we will be able to have rooms for people wanting to come and, and do ceremony yeah. um, and provide a space for that to happen. However, uh, it became evident that that was a very risky move because at least in Wautla, the mushroom ceremony is considered sacred. It's not something uh, to profit from. And I felt that as foreigners or non-Wautlans, uh, it could be misinterpreted really easy if people realize that we are promoting or, you know, um, making money off yeah. yes. something that is traditionally part of the culture, not yeah. mine. And, th and there's a mixture, from what I understand there, around people that do offer to foreigners and then people that don't, like different healers. and. Yeah, there's uh, every healer, just like doctors, they have their, their list of patients and they're limited to the amount of people they can see. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's other healers that only work with their own family members. Okay. Um, and then there's a few like Natalia that open up to working with uh, visitors from other parts of Mexico or other countries. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, um, every single family has at least one elder that practices this. That's sort of how it's the traditions maintained yeah. in a way that it's a family yeah. lineage. Yeah. yeah, right. And it's passed verbally. There is no um, books or like instructions and ever, some curanderos or curanderas specialize in one type of healing and one type of illness or condition or this and that. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, it's not easy for anyone to like actually find some someone that is truthful because there's also the ones there's a third one i mean we say two but i think there's a third one which is the ones that are fake the yeah ones the, that are looking the plastic shaman or whatever that's yeah. just trying to kind of make money off of it yeah exactly yeah. exactly and there's some of those too yeah yeah um people in town know who they are you know and and how they they they, they operate but as a foreigner if you're not familiar with who's who it will be very easy to fall in the wrong hands. Mm -hmm. And because the type of ceremony and the type of experience that the mushroom gives you, that could also be detrimental if you are in the wrong hands. Yeah, um, yeah, kind of bad medicine or whatever you want to call it. Right. Like people don't always have the best intentions when they bring you right. into those uh, states or planes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so like, you're you're involved in like a language project now like it goes from a, a kind of yes yeah. how does that evolve and like share about that well the pandemic brought a lot of changes in everyone's life including mine and uh, one of the things that that i decided with this project is to stop uh, we stopped entirely mm -hmm. uh, because at, when the pandemic started getting really bad, you know, yes. we, we stopped the, the construction of this building. Yes, yeah, so you're building like a hotel and kind of... Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like a six-bedroom mini boutique hotel. That was the plan. Mm -hmm. um, 
that I like after reflectioning on it and really thinking about it, I decided that that was probably not the best thing to do, especially if the goal was to help mm. the mastics, mm-hmm. that was not it. Yeah. Because the goal of a project like that, it will be to help foreigners or people from other places. Yeah. Uh, it will create probably some work for some locals. Yeah, there are like a lot how, of how many kind of people you hire for ceremony or working in the hotel, right? And kind of upkeep and right. food, but like it's a limited sort of scope of who that helps in the region. Right. Yeah. So you know, especially because of the, the possibility of being mis- misunderstood as something that we were doing for profit, mm-hmm. which I think it was going to happen. Yes. Um, I decided to open a foundation, an educational foundation that will help directly the uh, youth and adolescents, uh, mass ethics from low, low, low resources, you know. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens down there is a lot of the parents send the kids to work because they need to make money instead of sending them to school. Yeah. So with this project, I'm planning on incentivizing them so they can bring some money home and they don't get sent to work. Like in a way, pay them to go to school? Pay them to go to school. Yeah. 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 Um, and then pick up some of the brightest kids to come and learn their own language first, very important because as I told you before, it's like kind of like disappearing. Yeah, it's pre- and it's a pretty quick rate of uh, loss. It's right? very quick. Yeah, I, I'll give it another 20 years and it'll, there'll be very few people. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's not a, like if everyone's having cell phones, there's not a lot of websites and stuff that are probably in Mazatec, right? And there's a high incentive mm-hmm. to to I imagine Spanish or other languages. Right. And it's only spoken in that area. So it's like if you go somewhere else, that language is not useful. Yeah. You're even um, in your phone when you're going somewhere else, right? That language is right. not useful. So right. Yeah. So we want to teach them computers, uh English, mm-hmm. their own language, like like I said, and also uh media, like how to use a camera, how to shoot, how to do simple three-way lighting and that kind of stuff. And that way we can create an archive, a documentary archive of the multiple hundreds of curanderos that live in that area. Yeah. And with that archive, we will have access to understanding those rituals better and maybe adapt certain things of those rituals to our own personal rituals. Yeah. If not everything, because yeah, it's not all. I mean, for me, watching your movie changed my ritual with mushrooms too, from like blindfold and music to sitting in front of my altar. Because I spent mm-hmm. a lot of time in in Zen, in the world of Zen, doing meditation right. retreats, and we have altars there, and I have an altar in my home. And I watched your movie, and I was like, oh, like this is a different way. And I, you know, took a mushrooms and just sat in front of my altars to see like what would happen, and it was a very different experience, and it reminded right. me more of like my experience in meditation or Zen, more upright, more discipline, a bit more like strength involved than just kind of letting mm-hmm. go. So I was very appreciative just to you of like opening my eyes to other ways of like ceremonially and also in a healing way relating to the mushrooms. So 
I, just, I thank you for that. And like what you're saying, I imagine will open up many other ways of at least trying to understand how like I or others can hold. Cause it feels like the, in the Renaissance, right. That's happening. We're trying to figure out like, how do we as like Westerners, at least for me, like relate to these substances in a way that respects them and like honors what's possible. Um, not, right. not just uh, give them to vets for PTSD, but it, if you look at like where in a walk and like, it's not just for psychological issues, right? Like people come for healing for all types of issues. And correct. Um, that is because uh, the belief is that physical illnesses manifest first at an energy level. Yeah. Like spiritual down to physical. Uh -huh. Yes. If you catch an illness when it's at the energy um, stage, let's call it stage or plane and, or whatever right? and eliminate it. Yeah. Get rid of it. The body won't get ill. Mm hmm. But if you don't do anything about it, then that energy will materialize yeah, into will. form of illness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, um, what, what? So the foundation, from what I understand, has like two two parts, maybe or more. But like, kind of working with the youth to kind of train them both English and media and help preserve the language and this other. And then eventually they'll be able to tell their story, their cultural and traditions, communicate those traditions with the, let's say the international community, use English to communicate with anybody because that's the language that is spoken, you know, by, by every, every country, you know. But then there's, it sounds like there's more involved too with the, like with um, art and like an outward face to the rest of the world with the foundation. Yes, I actually, um, the last uh, six months, five, six months, mm -hmm. uh, that's when actually everything became more evident of what this project was going to be. So I decided to open the foundation and going through all the process that you had to go out, like registering with the Secretary of Economy, yeah. uh, doing all the um, taxes and registration, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. It was so grueling. <laughs> yeah doing that yeah okay it was well, thank you for doing that oliver thank you man and then you're kind yeah. of you're at the next yeah. stage now so yeah i was saying the the foundation so i i i went through all this process uh to register if finally i finally finished last week last week all the paper. yeah yeah yes i came back to from mexico to l.a right now but i need to go back and still open a bank account for for the foundation and right now i'm working on creating a campaign for fundraising mm -hmm. and parallel to that i got approached by the same guy the same guy that uh, i met the oaxacan guy that i met 20 years ago mm -hmm. i got approached by him and he said like you know Oaxaca is really hot right now. It's like everybody wants to come to Oaxaca from, from all over the world. Um, and art is, is being uh, sold and moved and everybody there's a, a high interest in Oaxaca and made art. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's bring art to the United States and put it for sale as a business. Yeah. And like that sounds like a nice, nice business, very different from what I've done before. 
Uh, you know, I don't know much about our dealing or anything of that, but I can certainly help with all the digital part of it, you know, the websites and all the other stuff that I've been doing all my life, you know, promoting yeah. products and working for, for multinational brands and stuff. So I have the knowledge to do that. So I'm like, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. So, you know, the, we opened the company. It's a, it's a for-profit company mm -hmm. uh, called Kundavi Art um, here in California. Uh, the company, even though it's for profit, it is also a purpose-driven company, mm -hmm. which means that 100% of your profit is going to be donated to the foundation. Oh, it's like a for-profit that's yeah. filtered into the non-profit. We'll have a, our, own, our own small salary so we can operate. Yeah. But anything that's on top of our... Mm -hmm. um, operational cost yeah. operational cost um, will be donated to the foundation yeah uh, the irs in the united states works in a way that you can donate up to 50 percent of your profit and it will be tax deductible mm -hmm. but you will have to pay taxes on the other 50 percent so at the end of the day i think we're looking at paying anywhere between 12 and 15 percent uh taxes of, yeah. of profit and the rest will have to go to to the foundation in mexico yeah 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 uh, right. I, I yeah i mean so much uh so many people maybe travel and connect to psychedelics and other cultures right or healing rituals mm -hmm. and then do what you initially did right of try to build a center or some way to help right but then for you it seems like it's turned 180 now and like how do you help the culture that helped you in a way almost yeah i i sense that okay if this psychedelic renaissance is so hyped yeah and everybody is into it and everybody is talking about it i feel that it's important to give back to the community where everything comes from mm -hmm. everything like if he wasn't because of Gordon Watson happened to meet Maria Sabina and she was able to, she agreed to see him and information came out. That's the reason why the, the psychedelic renaissance exists in the first place. I mean, yeah, yeah that's know? why you have Timothy Leary and then Ram Dass right. and all like it. There's a wide chain of events that happened from that meeting there. Exactly. Yeah. So if, if, anyone is interested in giving back to, to this project, it is a way to directly help uh, massive youth and, and adolescents, you know, to, to push them to study, you know, and to have people to continue learning massive yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's sad, but it's, it's, it's disappearing. Every, like, I can guarantee you, I've seen it. There's less and less people talking about it. And if we still, if the language disappears, a lot of the mushroom language or a lot of the mushroom knowledge mm -hmm. and the ways the mushroom is understood by their traditions will also disappear. Yeah, if like a grandson can't understand his grandmother and it's an oral tradition, it will not be maintained. Right. Yes. Right. So I believe it's important to, to try to. I'm not going to say avoid avoid them from happening because I think even though 
whatever I do, it will eventually disappear, like because languages disappear is not uncommon. Yeah, yeah, this is a thing that happens over time. Um, but at least I like to have the opportunity to create this archive with these kids. Yeah. So there is a record of these traditions, you know, yeah. and, and for posterity, you know, for other people that are interested in learning about this. Um, I think it's a project that, that could, could create that, you know, very well. You know? Yeah. Well, thank you for doing that, man, for right. making a COVID. So the Kundavi Art project, I want to talk about these pieces I have here. Yeah, yeah. This B... Yeah, and this is it's like a, made of, a, uh, a bronze bee you have there. That's that's like bronze a bronze bee, football size almost. Is that heavy when you yeah. hold it? Or is it it's hot? about thirteen pounds. Yeah. I have this other owl right here, also from a Oaxacan artist called Manuel Miguel. Is that on? What is he sitting on? A dog or a? It's uh, actually a, a lion. A lion! Wow. Yeah. Look, yeah. has a mane on the back. Yeah. That's awesome. This is also bronze. It's also heavy. And I have this other piece over here from an artist called Jorge Gonzalez. Mm. And these are local kind of masks. This is also bronze, really heavy. It's a woman. Mm -hmm. It's called Movement. Mazatec artists that are also, it seems, contemporary in a way. They're making contemporary yes, art. They're, they're not Mazatec. They're Oaxacan. Oaxacan. Okay, uh, thank you. Yeah, they're from different places in 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 Oaxaca, not not only uh, no Mazatecs. Yeah, thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. Um, so when I I started this project with uh, my partner, my business partner, he it was merely a commercial project, right? Mm -hmm. But I said, listen, I'm doing this other thing too, you know, this foundation. So it'd be cool if we can actually create this company. Let's create it. But let's make it a for-purpose company. And uh, he loved the idea. He was, he was like totally on board since I brought it up. And the reason is because during the pandemic, he did the same thing with some fishermen from the coast of Oaxaca. Mm -hmm. And he started supporting them in a way so they could actually sell their fish in Oaxaca City. So he will go to get fish from them, bring it to Oaxaca City, and then people will eat fish in the city. Yeah, rather than they like shipping it out to other areas or whatever. Right. Yeah. So when he created that uh, fourth purpose project to help the fishermen, it, like instead of just being a merely commercial, like I sell fish in the city, mm -hmm. when he shifted the focus to be a project for a for purpose project to help the fishermen, everything changed. Everything changed in, in, in the way people were uh, participating because it was more about helping than making money yeah yeah um uh, like in a way it, yeah like in a way it does better when it's trying mm -hmm. to help it's, it flows easier is what i'm hearing right yeah so the same thing the same idea we applied to these uh pieces and we talked to the artists about the motion project and about the education project and everything and they love the idea Mm -hmm. Everybody that I talked to, I'm so surprised because I'm not part of the art. I was not, now I am, but I was not part of the artistic community in yeah. Oaxaca. Mm -hmm. Now a lot of people know me. 
And I still meet a bunch of people. I have a, a list of people that I'm yet to meet. Um, and there is this other artist that they make alebrijes that they're going to be working with us. Uh, they're called um, Jacobo, um, Jacobi Maria. Uh, Jacobi Maria Angeles. Cobo y María Ángeles uh, is the Alebrije um, artist and uh, Alebrijes are like like wood carvings okay. painted by hand. Oh yeah. Uh, similar to what you see in the movie Coco oh, from okay. Pixar. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they just had an exhibit at the Rockefeller Center a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. and there's a huge alebrije in the front of the building. Um, it's really amazing, really amazing art pieces. Um, he, they're going to be working with us. Right now, these pieces, they're going to go for an auction pretty soon. Yeah, and if people want to connect uh, to these art pieces or like support right. the kind of art aspect of this, like where can they connect with you at? Uh, it's going to be the website is kundavi.art. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'll link that on the, the show notes for this. So, right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still not up. It's still, oh, yeah, we're still yeah. a work in progress. Yeah. yeah. It'll be you know, there by the for time the, in the future. Out, yeah. <laughs> by the time this comes out, it should be, it should be um, um, available. Yeah. Um, so, these three pieces are going to go for sale. I have uh, two paintings coming, one from an artist named Guti and another one also from Manuel Miguel. They're beautiful pieces. I really like them. Um, I love the kind of this, gonna... this, the circular quality of this in a way, like the artists, you're supporting the artists and then in supporting the artists, it's supporting the foundation. And like in supporting right. the foundation, it's supporting the culture and making new artists, right? Media artists or different people. and. Like, right like there's pulling from many different aspects which i find really beautiful right. in what you're doing that's what i like so we currently have 16 artists signed with with us mm -hmm. on the project um and when i come back to oaxaca in a couple of weeks uh, my plan is to sign another 15. Mm -hmm. um we're getting the pieces and when, uh, when should you roll forward with working with the kiddos like is there plans for how that'll kind of play out <sighs> the building needs to be completed and will that become a type of school in a way rather than a kind of lodging right. yes right yeah. so we need to buy desks buy computers get the computers you know. and probably some teachers mm -hmm. yeah yes actually i have a meeting with the person that i think is going to be the director oh. of the school yeah, yeah and then the teachers will come through through that person yeah. Um, I have a very good recommendation from a, a teacher that is a, a director that is 100% fluent yeah. in Spanish and Mazatec. Oh, that's awesome. And um, he's been a teacher all his life. Um, so it, it seems so far, I'm excited. To, I haven't met him yet. So I haven't made a, a decision if yeah. he's the one, but I, I hope he's the one because. I, uh, I hope so too. So you don't have to search too long, you know? Right. The brief meeting we had, he seemed like a very agreeable man and, you know, like easy to deal with it and responsible. So I, I got a good vibe. Yeah. So we're going to have a more formal meeting when I come back. And uh, I obviously have a lawyer, an accountant, um, you know, all yeah, the... It's happening. It's happening. 
all the things that are that are required. And now I have a bunch of artists backing me up, local artists backing backing my project up to to make it happen, to make it a reality. Well, I, I wish you all the best with the project. Yeah. And I, I do have one question that was kind of from earlier when we were talking, and you mm -hmm. were naming sort of the holding these traditions and all the kind of information and that we might like apply this to our lives like if we're using the mushrooms and i'm curious for you to just like what you see like what you've learned from relating to the mushrooms in your own life and like even the ceremony you might hold when you're in the states like what do you think kind of is important that you've taken away As far as this, you're speaking about the ceremony itself. Like if, if somebody was like, you know, I've taken mushrooms with friends or I've I've done it like with a blindfold on and music, but they wanted to kind of move, uh, move a bit. What, what would you say they could do to kind of show respect to the mushroom or like. Uh, I what, think uh, what you've learned kind of in your relationship with Natalia and others. Yeah, I think the, the most important thing is having a reason mm. to do them. Yeah. Just do them because yeah. you're curious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, you know, I did it because I was curious. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Which isn't no, always, it's not, not always the reason worst reason. I but... <laughs> didn't even know what it was or what I was getting into. Uh, yeah. So it happens different for everybody. And there's no right or wrong way to do them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, however, I do believe, for example, you go to a music festival or something and you decide to take them them among a big crowd and music and neon lights and mm -hmm. this and that. So it becomes uh, that type of experience to me, it could be beautiful in the sense that the, the, the visuals could make, make the experience more beautiful in a way or like mm -hmm. add to the experience but it's very shallow at the same time yeah if you instead have a reason why you want to do them that could go from healing to giving thanks mm -hmm. you know yeah to gratitude yeah you know it doesn't always have to be because uh you're sick or you you're experiencing mental trauma or emotional trauma it yeah. doesn't always have to be that you cannot people do it also used to thank god or to have the opportunity to talk to the lady of guadalupe yeah. or to sit in prayer mm -hmm. um, sometimes people do it for someone else you yeah. know like someone else that's sick yeah. um i, I remember uh this guy that I know told me this story that at his house, his grandma was really ill. And basically, she was in bed. And a bunch of members from the family got around her, sit around her. They ate the mushrooms. And all they did was pray for that person that was ill. That's so beautiful. The whole night yeah. while they're on the mushroom experience. Yeah. So there's many different ways to do it but i think if you have a reason to do them and, you, and you're clear of the question that you have for the mushroom mm -hmm. um, you have a more in-depth experience and an opportunity to explore the self and explore your good and bad deeds i guess oh yeah you the, know? the reckoning yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah well, thank you so much for sharing.
Yeah, it was really cool to hear Oliver's story. I just love the, you know, it just unfolds for him. Like he goes to the library, kind of does the deep dive on the mushrooms and Gordon Watson, Marina Sabina, and kind of Huatla. I can never say it. Huatla. My grandma would be so sad. My grandma speaks Spanish. She would be so sad at my pronunciation. But the town in Awaka, where Marina Sabina is from, and then he meets a guy that's like, oh, I'll send you there. And on his first day of arriving, he meets Natalia, who ends up kind of being his guide and healer and teacher in the ways of the mushroom. So I just find that really beautiful the way it unfolded. But then at the same time, it took him five years and then seven or eight years to make the movie. So it's interesting how things can be really quick and slow at the same time. So yeah, I really do encourage you to check out the projects that Oliver's working on. There's links in the show notes to the Kandavi Art Project and a Spiral Mazteco Foundation that he's working on. Once again, really sorry about the pronunciation. But you'll see the spelling in the show notes. And yeah, maybe I can one day work on my Spanish. But yeah, once again, thanks to Oliver for taking the time. And I do hope you enjoyed and are kind of... Uh, here in the middle of the holiday season, kind of enjoying family or dealing with family, whichever one it is for you. So yeah, be well. Till next time. Bye.